Hello, everyone. Welcome to Chat Channel. My name is Tim Hayden, and I'll be your host. We have a super show for you today. Our guest is the phenomenal Bradley Cole. Brad, pardon me. Brad is a singer, songwriter, actor, and producer. He studied drama at, and business at Pepperdine University in Malibu, California, where he won Best Actor Award for One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. He is a, traveled to Europe where he founded a theater company, Love Version Original, where he performs in classic American dramas such as Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. After returning to America, Bradley was cast in the long running soap opera, The Guiding Light, where he performed the dual characters of Prince Richard and Jeffrey O'Neill. Please welcome Bradley to the show. Hello, Brad. How are you doing? Hi. Good. How are you? Doing great. Doing great. I'm so glad that you're here. Uh, I'm, well, I've been it's my a pleasure. My pleasure, finally, to to see you and to be here after going back and forth, uh, uh, trying to set this up. It was well worth the wait. Believe me, for me, it was well worth the wait. Well, thank you very much. Um, well, I guess I'll start. I could do, usually do. Uh, what was it like for you growing up? What was it like for me growing up? Yeah. Wow. Uh, you're you good at open-ended open questions, aren't you? For <laughs> sure. Like? Well, you know what? I grew up a long time ago. And uh, well, maybe not that long ago for Guiding Light fans. <laughs> but uh, I grew up in Los Angeles uh, in the 60s and 70s. So what it was like, it was one of the most fabulous, miraculous, weirdest times, I guess, with all that was going on in the 60s. And uh, I grew up in a big family, well, kind of big. We had, there were five of us, five kids. And, you know, pretty much middle class. Uh, you know, I, I was a very much a, an American boy, you know, loved baseball. Uh, and I loved uh, hanging out with my friends and my brothers and my sisters. We just had so much fun. Uh, and yeah, so it was great. It was fantastic growing up. That's what it was like. So um, didn't you start out as a musician? Because I heard that you started playing the guitar at age eight. That's right. So that yeah, that's out there now. So yeah, age eight, I, uh, I remember... Uh, very much that there was a, a guitar that somehow and I, you know, I recently asked my mother about this. Uh, and I said, Mom, where did you get that guitar? And why did you get that guitar? Because when I was eight years old, I remember that guitar. And uh, my brother was supposed to uh, be the musician, my older brother, Jeff, yeah, uh, my mother um, arranged for him to have guitar lessons. And, uh, and of course, I was terribly jealous and said what 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 do you mean Jeff gets to have guitar lessons why can't I have guitar lessons so she uh, said okay go with him so <laughs> Jeff and I went to the guitar lesson together and it wasn't for Jeff and for me I I grabbed that guitar and I never let it go so yeah I remember very much starting around eight years old you know I mean it was very just learning some chords and things like that and it wasn't until much later that uh, I really you know decided to take it more seriously well yeah but that was the best time because like my youngest son he picked it up i guess early teens and he tried to teach me how to play it but the calluses i just the finger strings <laughs> and stuff, i just couldn't do it i just couldn't do it well once you get the calluses then it's okay it's getting the calluses that's the hard part i just let him be the the guitarist not me well you know it is that kind of an instrument i guess it's like any instrument really uh there's that learning you know, period in the very beginning. And so I, you know, I try to teach, you know, I, I try to teach my kids. My daughter's pretty good at it. My son, no. And, you know, it's, I, and I see them struggle. And I recently said, well, let me see about this. So I turned the guitar upside down 
and tried to make out chords. And I'm thinking, oh, yeah, this would be very hard for me now, especially at my age, to try to learn to play left handed. And it really would be kind of like the same thing to try to learn to play the guitar again. And so, uh, yeah, it's not easy at the beginning. I never thought about that doing it left handed. I definitely couldn't do it left handed. <laughs> very bad. Well, you originally were going to be doing baseball, weren't you? That's right. Like I mentioned, uh, baseball, I was a big, you know, baseball fan, like a lot of, you know, American boys back then. We all, you know, baseball was the American sport. I mean, everybody liked football, of course, too, and, mm -hmm. and basketball. But uh, baseball was, you know, the all-American sport. And that's when you started literally around eight years old, too. So around the same time I started, uh, I played Little League and um, I'm left-handed. So being left-handed uh, is a bit of an advantage if you're a pitcher, but for the rest of the positions, it, it really is a disadvantage because you're not allowed to, I mean, you, you, you're allowed to, but you, it's really awkward to be like a left-handed shortstop just because of the way you have to throw the ball to first if you field it, any other position. So I, I became a pitcher and I just fell in love with the game and I, I really, really wanted to be a baseball player and that lasted well until until I was an adult uh, I eventually got as far as uh, Pepperdine University and made the baseball team there which at the time that was quite a feat because they that in 1979 which is when I was there oh I'm giving away all the the, the dates now as you can see how old I am uh, they finished, we finished a third in the country in the College World Series, so the entire nation. And before that, I played in Northern California in at Redwood High School. And that team in 19, here we go again with the dates, 77, <laughs> was, uh, was voted, since there were, there were no playoffs for a national title for, for high school, that would be impossible. But they were elected by the baseball writers and the press as the number one team in the country in wow. 1977. So I was a part of that system and that organization also. So a guy named Al Endress was the coach there. And, uh, and he was the one that really, you know, um, I really learned the game from. And uh, so I was deeply into baseball. Yeah, and that's what all I wanted to do. Even into college, I, I believed that I was gonna be drafted and that I would be going to the pros. But did something happen that didn't let you go to the pros? Well, you know all the stories, don't you? <laughs> well, I know yes, part something of the did happen. <laughs> something did happen, and it, I injured my arm. And that's that was a critical, well, a critical thing for my baseball career, but also it turned out to be for my my life. Uh, um, so, you know, I I basically threw it out. Uh, and I had a rotator cuff problem and I went to a very famous uh, clinic, the Job Curlin Clinic, which they were doing all of the Dodgers and the, the Lakers and all the big uh, sports uh, teams there. And they said, well, you, you, we can maybe do some corrective surgery and we can remove this one ligament. And, uh, and that's what we decided to do. So I had surgery on the shoulder and that was my junior year of college and I just never really could throw with the same velocity and you know uh, it, it, it seemed pretty bleak so anyway while I was um, while I was uh, nursing my shoulder uh, another friend on the team uh, who was also nursing an injury we were walking back to our dorms one day and we saw a, a poster uh, and it was for auditions for the school production. And I said, well, wow, look at this. And it was for One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. And at the time, I, uh, I had uh, a certain, uh, my eye on a certain um, actress uh, over at the theater department. <laughs> and uh, well, all the actresses were pretty, uh, pretty uh, nice um, nice ladies so we were we would say well why don't we do this why don't we they were looking so one flew of the cuckoo's nest you know there i don't know if people remember the 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 movie or the play well it, it takes place in basically in an insane asylum and uh so there are all these crazy people and characters in the 
uh, in the production. And they, I, I guess that's why they were doing the open casting because normally there's a, there's a theater department. So all the, the good roles would be, you know, taken by the actors that are there on right. scholarship. And, uh, but they were looking for the people to play some of these crazies. So we went there and we thought, well, let's, this will be fun. We'll just act like crazy people and we'll get a chance to, uh, to approach some of the actresses. And, uh, and so that's what we did. So we went there and uh, we started behaving like crazy people. And I guess the director saw something in me and uh, she asked me to come back and to actually read for the, the lead part in the production. And so long story short, um, I ended up getting uh, the part of the lead, which really was, uh, you know, the director, her name was Eileen Daniel, who was really, I guess, responsible for my, my acting career um, and getting it well, started. That, that and my injury. <laughs> you did win Best Actor Award for that as well, though. Uh, yeah, that really upset some people, too. So I uh, got, <laughs> got that award and uh, that was, you know, that it, it was really an amazing experience for me. Pepperdine University has such an amazing drama department and it's really hard to get into it. And I have so much respect for all the people there and all of the, my fellow students that were there at the time. And, uh, and also it's the Malibu colony is right next door. So the the productions the the audience members are a lot of the hollywood people the producers the writers the directors and the actors come to see these productions so it's really coveted uh uh parts to get uh so anyway yeah so that turned out really well i ended up getting that award and that sort of launched my career i have to say this is very selfish of me to say but as one of your fans i'm kind of glad you did get injured for baseball or we may not be having this conversation it may be a different conversation <laughs> yeah well you know uh you know tim i think it, it was definitely a blessing in disguise although a lot of those guys on that team went on to sign pro contracts but you know it's so hard to make it to all the you know once you sign a pro contract that doesn't mean anything then you're in level a ball then double a the triple a anybody who gets to what they call the show or the the major leagues i mean that is almost an impossible feat. So uh, as in spite of my desire and my will, I think that might have been the best thing that could have happened to me because who knows, I might have just spent years rotting away in the minor leagues. <laughs> but that would have been fun too. Well, after, I guess that kind of gave you the bug to start acting and doing some theater, didn't it? It did. So, you know, when I, doing that play... Uh, so my director, God bless her. She's like, oh God, what am I going to do with this guy? He's so he knows nothing. And, but I'm a quick learner. And then she, I'll never forget, the first um, book she gave me was Uta Hagen, Respect for Acting. And I read that and that just opened my eyes. And it was fantastic. So any actors that are out there, pick up that book or non-actors. It's, it's an amazing book. Uh, uh, and that sort of, led me into method acting and then I started studying you know Stanislavski and uh, and then another another book that I read at the time or shortly after was Anton Chekhov's um, uh, For the Actor and so I really did a deep dive into this stuff and just totally went for it I guess when you're young and you don't know any better you can really let yourself go and I really did and my, my, I opened up my mind to this and it really helped me a lot Eileen, the director, really um, led me down a, a nice path, I think, so that I didn't just frivolously go out there and try to, to do this. And so I learned a lot. And like I said, the, the program's fantastic. All the other actors were so fantastic. So that's what sort of got me going into that career and taking it, you know, seriously. Right. And uh, Well, and then you ended up going on to over to Europe. France, actually, didn't you? In 81? Yeah, not right away. Uh, first, I thought, you know, well, here I have my best actual award, and I'll just waltz into Hollywood, and hello, everybody, here I am. Uh, so where are the parts? Where are the roles? I'm ready to, to accept them. Of course, uh, I mean, it wasn't really, I didn't really have that attitude, right? But 
I went into Hollywood and it still was a bit of a shock at how difficult it was just to get anybody to, to see me uh, for anything. Uh, I didn't have an agent. I didn't have anything. So I went into Hollywood and I was literally starving to death in a small apartment in, uh, in Hollywood uh, with a friend of mine from school, uh, Tim, who ended up becoming a Hollywood um, editor. Uh, he wanted to become a director. And so there we were starving to death and, uh, uh, you know, just doing anything we could to survive and, you know, just hitting the pavement. And so that went on and on and I, nothing really became uh, of that. And I remember being in a bookstore in a theater bookshop in Malibu. And there was a producer there, a Hollywood producer there. And he uh, and I, you know, struck up a conversation and he said, well, you know, you know, Brad, you are here and you are one of thousands, literally thousands of other young guys just like you. So what I was, what, 20 years old at the time or 21. And so what do you got to bring to the table? You know, you got nothing. And he asked me if I had ever, you know, left California or traveled. And I said, well, no, as a matter of fact, I really haven't even been out of California. <laughs> so that planted a seed in me. And I always, in the back of my mind, thought, you know what? I, I really do want to see, you know, the country and maybe, maybe I need to do something like that. So, and that's what I did. I, I ended up uh, traveling a lot and ended up in Europe, in Paris, and uh, that opened up a whole new uh, adventure for me. Well, yeah, you uh, helped, you founded a theater company. I'm sure I'm going to say this wrong, but it's named <laughs> La, La Version Originale. Very good. La Version Originale. Très bien, Tim. Monsieur Tim. <laughs> Try. Which, you know, it's a funny, that name, uh, I'm very proud of that name because uh, I was there with a group of us uh, expatriates were over there and we decided we wanted to, to start this theater company. We were coming up with a name for it. And if you go to France, uh, you can, all, you know, especially at the time, there were a lot of foreign, uh, I mean, uh, American movies were the most popular movies. Now, of course, French movies are as good or, or, or more popular even in France than the American movies. But at the time, the American movies were really the most popular movies. And so you had to look for this little box on the poster. So I remember one of them was uh, Terminator. And I made the big mistake because I didn't look on the box. I went to go see Terminator. I paid my money, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger Terminator. And, and it's, there's, a, there's a little thing that said VF. And I didn't know what that meant instead of VO. So I went to go see VF, version française, which so everything is dubbed into French, which was, you know, my French was, was probably non-existent at that time. And I was just so upset and they wouldn't give me my money back. But uh, so always look for the VO, which means la version originale, which is the English, you know, the actual movie, and then with the French subtitles, as opposed to, you know, just the French uh, being dubbed. So I thought, well, that's really clever to name our theater company, La Version Originale, because what we wanted to do, we wanted to produce American plays, uh, contemporary American plays. There, were, there was another theater company there, an English theater company that was doing like the classics and, you know, Shakespeare and things like that. And, and we thought, well, no, let's do the contemporary American plays. Let's bring like off-Broadway stuff and things like that to the to to French audiences. So that was our idea, and that's how we got that started, and that's how we came up with that name. I thought that's a great name. <laughs> it is a great name. Do you do you feel? I don't even have this question. It's popped in my head. Do you feel that going over to Europe helped you? The reason I ask that is because I've talked to several celebrities who have done that early on gone over there, studied, worked, and then came back? I can't say enough about it. I mean, it changed my life, obviously. So, and I mean, not just for an actor, for anybody, uh, especially an American, I think we need to travel more to other countries. And maybe because of the internet, because of everything that, you know, technology that 
the world is much, much, much smaller than it was back in the 80s when I was there. Because at the yeah, time, right. there was no internet, there was nothing. And so, you know, I didn't realize how small-minded I really was, even though I had read a lot of history, I loved history, and I, you know, learned a, a lot about foreign countries. There's nothing like actually growing there. And, 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 and being there and interacting with, uh, you know, with the people of, uh, of that country. So I traveled all over Europe. I went to almost every single European country. I lived in France. I lived in England and London for a time. And yeah, so it was really so beneficial to me and not just as an actor, but as a person, but of course, to bring all of that to, to my my backpack or my my bag of tricks that I could you know take out of things from here and there to lend to roles uh it was it's just um you know priceless uh I know while you were there you did a, several tv shows and films uh this did this speaking French I'm, probably comes easy now but at that time did it come kind of easy to you no it did not uh <laughs> Uh, you know, I studied Spanish in school because, you know, we all had to study a foreign language, right? And I chose Spanish because it was practical and we were in California and uh, so it was a better chance of me using that. Uh, but I was terrible at it. Um, it was one of my worst subjects. And, uh, but so French, you know, my, I, here's, my mother is, has been trying to learn Spanish. It's one of the things that she's determined to do, but she's been trying to learn it for 40 years. And, <laughs> she, and I said, mom, the only way it's going to work is if you go and you stay there because it really, that, that changes everything. So living in, in, in France and interacting with everybody. And then I, I tried to, to keep uh, my company as much French people and as few expatriates as possible. Although there was a large expatriate community in, in Paris and a lot of Americans. So it's tempting just to hang out with them. But really I wanted to, uh, you know, I was interacting mostly with French and I had a lot of French friends and, and that really just sort of helped things along. But really what really did it was when I was finally cast in a, uh, in a television show there called Les Filles d'à Côté, which means the girls next door. And that was a sitcom. And uh, they were shooting it and it had never been done like this before. Uh, but now it's so common today because most of the soaps are done like this, an episode a day. So can you imagine shooting a sitcom where there's, then there's not 24 or 30 cast members like there is in a soap opera. There were basically five of us. So that means you're constantly dialoguing throughout the entire episode every single day and it's in French. So when I was cast into that, uh, the first th the first two or three weeks, I thought, oh my God, I, I can't do it. And I was terrible and I was just thinking, oh God, what am I gonna do? I'm gonna have to, you know, I, I just can't do it. But, you know, just keeping at it, uh, you know, something clicked. And so um, after that, that first uh, initial few weeks, I was able to do it. And then doing that every day for a couple of years uh, really improved my friends Im immensely. And there's a funny story there because uh, when you are fluent in a language like that and you start thinking in a language like that, I would call home. I remember speaking to my, my dad, God rest his soul, uh, on the phone and you sort of insert French words into your English conversation because there's no other real translation that means exactly what you want to say. And I realized, oh my God, I, I'm talking to my dad. He probably has no idea what I'm saying right now because half of the sentences are in French. So I'll never forget that. Um, yeah, that, that's when, when you start thinking in the language, it's, it's, it, it helps. See, that's when I would have had to come back and say, um, do you have a walk-on rule? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, well, that brings to about 1990. I believe that's about when you came back to the United States. Yeah. Uh, and you well, I, had been gone, I had been coming back and forth. Right. So um, my mother was uh, in Los Angeles area. She was actually in Ventura. 
And uh, so I would come home frequently to visit and between shoots or between plays or whatever I was doing. And, um, but I, I so I think what you're referring to, so in 1990, well, I'm fast forwarding. Oh, so what I had got to was when you came to Nashville. Well, oh, in Nashville. Okay, so, well, that was actually part of uh, Les Filles d'à Côté. So this show, by the way, I mean, it was a silly show. It's sort of like a threes company kind of takeoff. Uh, there were three divorcees in one apartment and next door to them, there were two, uh, two men and they were all like 30, 30 something, right? In their thirties. And um, so uh, next door, so all the girls were sick of men uh, and they were just trying to live their lives. But uh, there's the guy next door who's sort of the funny sort of um, uh, Lou Costello of the two is trying to get with the girls and the girls see Danielle, which is me, I'm the American photographer, and they're all trying to get with, 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 with that character. So, and hilarity ensues. And uh, so we thought, well, this is, this is fun. But the, something clicked and lo and behold, it was a surprise hit. So it became number one on its time slot. Uh, the, and at the time there were, I think five channels you know, this is the 80s. It's not like today where you could watch anything anytime, anywhere with thousands of, of options. There were five channels. And so we were number one and it became a surprise hit. So uh, Jean-Luc Azoulay, who's a fantastic, illustrious producer over there who became very famous producing these shows. And, and he um, knew about my music and then saw me playing guitar and I would play frequently in, in clubs and things like that. And he said, well, you know, come and, and do this, do a song on uh, one of our, he had, they had a variety show that they produced. So I did that. And then they decided, listen, um, do you have any songs? I said, well, I just so happen to have quite a few songs, like enough for an album. <laughs> and he said, well, let's make the album. So we flew to Nashville and that's when I made my first album. Yes, and I'll come back to the music in the, after I get the yeah sure. out of the way. That's going to bring us to 1999, and this is going to be a long section. Your role on Guiding Light, how did that come about? Your first role oh my goodness. Well, uh, at the time, now this is many years, a few, a few years later, I was doing a, a play in, in Paris, and um, by the way, that's another uh, amazing experience of my life. I was on stage. I was cast in a part to play the Duke of York in a play with Jean-Paul Belmondo. And Jean-Paul Belmondo is one of the greatest legends and stars in French cinematic history. And, and also uh, he would do these big productions and all of Paris would come. So that we, we finished that first run of the show and between they were going to take it on the road and uh and there was some time so i flew home and i had an agent there and they said brad while you're here why don't you just see a few people and i said okay sure well one of those people was glenn daniels and glenn who happened to be doing uh the casting they were looking for uh a, someone to play a, a prince i said a prince oh my goodness um uh, <laughs> and it was for Prince Edmund, Prince Edmund on The Guiding Light. And I thought, okay, well, this sounds interesting. So uh, uh, I learned the lines and I came back and I read for Prince Edmund and he, uh, that's when I met Glenn and, and he said, no, 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 you're not, you're not Prince Edmund. And I thought, oh, okay, well, great. Well, nice meeting. And he said, well, wait a minute, you might be right for this. And he gave me the sides for the other prince, his brother, Prince Richard. And I thought, okay, um, he says, go home and come back tomorrow. So I, you know, I, I learned the lines. Um, and, you know, I had been living in London for quite a, a few years, uh, in, you know, intermittently during all this experience in Europe. 
And so I had many British friends and I, I, I had a natural British accent. So um, I really worked on the accent with an accent coach and we got it down and, and I went back in there and read for, for Prince Richard and Gled said, okay, what are you doing? Don't go anywhere because you might have to go to New York. I said, what? So they showed the tape to the powers that be and they flew me out to New York and that's when I met uh, with the producers and uh, I was, <laughs> I had to audition with a, a, a bunch of other guys. So a bunch of other guys were reading for Prince Richard and, uh, you know, it's like a, like a, a factory, you know, okay, next, next. <laughs> and I remember going in and, and I didn't even, I didn't meet Kim until I was actually on the set, Kim Zimmer. Oh, wow. And they had told me, you know, oh, do you know who Kim Zimmer is? My agent said, I said, no, I, I, how could I? Cause I mean, I don't, I didn't know anything about soap operas or anything. He said, well, she, she's won five Emmys. And I said, oh, okay. <laughs> Gulp. Uh, so, no pressure. Uh, yeah. Uh, but you know what, Tim? I don't know. I, I, I wasn't overly nervous. You know, I'd been doing so much in, in Europe and stuff. And I just felt like, well, okay, you know, this is, this is going to happen. It's going to happen. So, and I met Kim and I, I was just amazed at how kind and warm and wonderful she was i was expecting you know this five-time emmy winner star sort of personage and instead i got kim zimmer anyone who's met kim zimmer you know what kind of person she is and she's she's that warm person and so she was very nice but at the same time you know this was an audition and it was very you know professional and uh so we did the scene and you know, I thought, well, she's so good. She must be like this with all the other guys because we've had this great connection in this audition and we're looking into each other's eyes and there's this, it's a very emotional scene because uh, the character that she was playing, Catherine, Prince, Princess Catherine, the prince has been looking for because she's disappeared and they were in, madly in love with each other. <laughs> and and, and he's, so he's so upset and, he, and, and then she's confused because she's, you know, doesn't remember it. And so uh, it was a great little team to play. Anyway, uh, that's that's how uh, it started. They the Kim, I guess, really wanted me. At least she tells me she did. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I think she did. And, uh, and and apparently, and Glenn said that Kim and her were really fighting for me. I think the network wanted someone else, or or couple of other options before me but um i asked glenn later and he said well luckily you had that audition tape i had i had made an audition tape uh, that i spent a lot of money on money that I, I i i didn't have but i thought well you know what i really have to put together a good audition tape and they saw that and that i guess is what put me over the hump and they and they signed off on it well i've just got to say uh, i love your agent and for once, I can say I love the powers that be because the casting was so perfect with you and David Andrew McDonald. I mean, acting as brothers, y'all had such a great chemistry. I mean, it just, it was it, great. It, it, it was good chemistry. You know, it's it's always, you never know. And and, uh, and uh, just, yeah, the, the, the characters were just so... You know the acting was was great. David was just so perfect for for Edmund. I mean, just perfect. And yeah, uh, and and Kim, you know, I mean, you well, can't ask for. I mean, the role was written for her. So and then I you know, I remember thinking that this writing was the writing was so good in in the very beginning, the way they constructed that that story. Well, and that whole group went, that you had with you and Kim and Laura and David. Uh, uh, Tom, I mean, Tom, Dinah I forgot. and Tom, Tom and Colonel Dax. Colonel Dax. Oh, gosh. Tom was just so perfect. Oh, I, I love him. I can I'm just hear his voice right now time. just thinking about it. Yeah, that's I can too. Voice. And he was always so serious, except the only time I didn't see him serious was this, one of his characters on One Life to Live. He had to play a twin 
and it it was like a dorky little nerd. Yeah, I heard about that. Yeah, I heard he was really amazing. As this, and then yeah. Audrey Landers was on the show last week. He played his daughter Charlotte on that on that show and One Life to Live. So, oh wow! Uh, what uh, did, when y'all filmed like San Cristobal, a different place? I don't. Y'all weren't filming on location, were you? Y'all were just somewhere in California or New York or San Cristobal. Yes. Well, famously, we went on location. Yes. Uh, really? Wow. Uh, well, in the beginning, they, you know, they don't do this anymore. This is another thing. I was recently uh, texting with Laura Wright, and we were thinking, oh my God, you know, the money that they spent on these storylines, the sets, you know, at the time, they would have to take these sets up and down and it just cost a fortune, you know. Uh, I can't even imagine what it would cost just one for one show. Uh, and and the sets and the, the costumes. And the, I remember going and getting fitted for all these suits and the costumes and everything uh, in New York City at these tailors. And then we did go on location to Puerto Rico, which... We which was San Cristobal, right. and so we did have a, a a shoot down there, and uh, yeah, so it was just amazing. I know I, I just feel so lucky because that was really I I believe probably one of the last Thank times you. they so spent that much on a storyline and and really you know it was so uh, elaborate. If I'm not mistaken, that was one of the last times Guiding Light did a, on locations because of yeah yeah i think there was a couple well well we shot entirely on location at the end of the show right well that's yeah (laughs) that's new york that didn't that was a whole different type of thing yeah yeah yeah, i wasn't happy with i'm not happy that it ended (laughs) uh did you when did you know you were coming back as jeffrey o'neill gosh uh so i did three years as richard and um then I did a little bit of something over at All My Children. I got to, speaking of acting with a legend, so I had Kim Zimmer, and then they had me uh, for a few days with uh, Susan Lucci. So I, I got to meet Susan Lucci and, and act with her. Of course, I guess that didn't work out because <laughs> uh, I, I, I just had a, a little bit of a stint there. And, uh, and then I was you know, traveling across the country, and uh, I recorded an album. And in that time, so there was a few months there, I was off the show, there was a changing of the guard over at Guiding Light, and the new producers and the new writer uh, had concocted this idea, and they asked me about it, and I said, yeah, that'd be very interested. So they... So, that, so to answer your question, I, I didn't know right away, but it wasn't it wasn't too long. It was a couple of months, a few months uh, between the two stints. Well, I'm gonna have you pick between your children. Which would you? Who did you prefer acting as, Jeffrey? Or oh, that's Richard? that's impossible. <laughs> you know, it's because they were totally different. I mean, and your well, acting that was the fun. is so phenomenal because you were able to pull that off and and be oh, two you. different characters and have them distinguishable that they were different. Thank you, thank you. Um, I think the biggest compliment was I was reading some of the the uh, the fan stuff that you that was coming in and they were just saying, "Why is who does Bradley Cole think he is? He, he he's got a terrible American accent." <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> when I came as Jeffrey, I thought, "Okay, that's a good that's a that's a compliment." I have a terrible American person, accent. The only other person I know that could pull that did pull that off was David Canary. Oh, David Canary. Oh, I got to meet him too, by the way. This is one of, you know. and, and y'all two were two of the few that were able to pull it off. Well, that's very kind. And I'm, I thank you. Oh, to answer your question, I mean, you know, when I don't know that Jeffrey would have been uh, as fun or as interesting without Richard. So it's, you know, one without the other doesn't really, uh, sure. you can't tell. But to answer your question, I mean, uh, I, God, I really loved the beginning of Jeffrey yes. uh, because it was just so delicious to play and so fun to play. And, and, you know, when you're three years as Richard, who was stiff upper lip, he's there's 
there's a, there's some wiggle room, but you, you there's a, there's only so far you can go without him losing who he is. Uh, whereas Jeffrey and I could just really let loose and and be the opposite of this sort of stiff, you know, right. uh, character that was Richard. Jeffrey and seemed more fun, more laid back. Much more fun and so irreverent. And I mean, some of the things he would say, it's just, I can't believe I'm saying this. Okay. <laughs> well, I got another and, tough question that's going to really throw you then. Who do you think was Jeffrey's true love? Because he had oh, several. Oh, well, of course. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, well, at the risk of offending, you know, other actresses and characters. Um, I, it's, of course it's Cassie. Cassie, that's uh, what I thought yeah. too. And, and I thought, you know, and, and then what happens is this in soap opera, it's it's very hard to sustain and to uh, keep a storyline and, and be honest to it, uh, right. especially when there's constant changing of the guard. So I don't know how many producers, well, how many writers that we went through and you know fair enough when when if i was a head writer i would want to put my stamp on the show and and oh, so you sure. know certain things uh get left behind and and don't get developed so i thought that they kind of missed the boat there on on jeffrey and cassie yes and uh uh but when we did we did have some of that in the very beginning and that was so delicious to play and it's really at the triangle you know, because the fact that she's with Edmund and it's just, it was just so fantastic. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you did say Cassie because it was predestined in the universe. You know, it was always going to be Josh and Reba. Right. I mean, and it's always going to be in my mind, Jeffrey, Jeffrey slash and Richard and Cassie. But uh, I have to say that that with Beth Chamberlain, there was a great a little storyline they ran uh, there with Jeffrey and mm -hmm. uh, and Beth Rains and 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 Ron, and so we had <laughs> oh that kind God. of triangle with Ron. So I think the Jeffrey and uh, Alan Spaulding uh, was delicious also. So I could be irreverent and you know to to Alan Spaulding, and you know it's Alan Spaulding. And then the fact that he was with, with Beth, I mean, so, and then, you know, gosh, uh, Beth Chamberlain is just such a wonderful, you know, person and great she actress. Is. So I had so much fun with that too. So they, and they wrote for it. So it was a lot of fun. And uh, yeah. And then of course, you know, then Olivia and it, you know, there's just so much uh, there, you know. Well, Donna, you had Donna also. Donna, <laughs> yeah. Um, Oh, gosh. Yeah, that was... Well, remember know, that? Yeah. I was going to say, I know in a footnote and that I had read, and I've actually forgotten about, there was a little thing between you and Mara, but I was kind of glad that didn't go very far. Because I <laughs> yeah, like the group that you was, were with. That was a little daring. That was in the John Conboy era. And John uh, was really doing everything he could to push the envelope. And yes. some of it was getting a little bit, uh, you know, crossing the line. Right. Uh, although with Lindsay and uh, I mean, I, I really enjoyed that, too. But I know the fans probably were a little bit like that's a little uh, icky. <laughs> it's a little weird. You know, if you just stop and think about it, that you're with Reva and Cassie's sisters and then the Reva's daughter is just kind of like. Come well, on. that's that's soap opera, isn't it? I know. I know. As, as much as I love Guiding Light, it's probably my top favorite soap of all times. But, you know, another story in which you weren't involved with that threw me was The Clone. I clone was not me. there. I missed The Clone. But I, <laughs> when I hear about Man. it, I just start laughing. But I never watched any of it either. So I really probably... is. It must be on like YouTube and stuff. I have to dig in there and, and look at the clone stuff. <laughs> Everyone keeps well, talking about that. Poor Ken Zimmer. I had uh, Tina Sloan on a while back and we were talking about that. She said it was just so terrible that everybody around her, she didn't want to do it, but everybody around her just cracking up because she had to do it. And they did, you know, the storyline was like, oh my God, poor woman. <laughs> well, I mean, Kim's a trooper. Kim she is a trooper. Is 
And if she anyone can pull it off, she could do it. So her and Dolly. That was the clone's name, Dolly. Dolly? Dolly. <laughs> you know what? I never looked at it. Maybe I'll go and look at it one day. It was a little crazy. Uh, <laughs> you you did a little stint on General Hospital as Warren Bauer. Yes, I did. Uh, after which, coincidentally, which coincidentally was an attorney also. <laughs> What's that? He was an attorney also like Jeffrey was. So. Yeah, he, but he was, I mean, he was really, uh, you know, I, I think about that and uh, I, I just play what's on the page. You know what I mean? I, 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 I say, okay, this is, I'm going here with it. And I could have maybe tried to lighten it up or try to go and get some audience sympathy or something. And I'm thinking, well, no, that's not what they're writing. So I'm going to serve this, this storyline. And so he was, um, and it was dark. <laughs> it, was it was dark. It was very dark. And I thought, well, okay. Uh, and uh, I remember I, I had moved out to California. After, this was after Guiding Light had ended. And so I the, was out there and that was one of the first things that, my I, my agent out there presented to me. I, I think probably Laura Wright had a lot to do with me getting that. I don't know. She probably mentioned my name to somebody over there. And so I came on. And unfortunately, Laura and I didn't really interact hardly at all in that storyline uh, with her character. And I had to um, sort of confront uh, uh, Sonny Corinthos, uh, yes. played by Maurice Bernard. Maurice Bernard fantastic uh but i knew right away okay my character is not going to last long <laughs> so i'm really like in this guy's face and calling him a thug and and uh but but at the same time you know my character warren bauer had lost his son right so yes. he was he was he had gone insane because of that and um and so he wanted revenge for his son and he was very manipulative with uh with the with the girl, I can't remember the whole storyline. I'm sorry, uh, or the actresses, but um, but uh, yeah. So I uh, so I finally get the last scenes. I'm like, oh, okay. I go and I start. I go into the hospital and I and I start shooting people and murdering people. <laughs> so I, okay, this is the end of this. Uh, so um, yeah. So but that was a lot of fun to play and to to meet everybody over there at General Hospital. Uh, it was, just fabulous that's such a great cast yeah but i'm going to read a couple of these comments i'm going to have you read some later on because they're in french so but right now okay. this on our subject someone said uh warren was very mean-spirited on general hospital and that you also interacted with nancy lee graham and you confronted alexis on general hospital so you yes somebody really watching who knows you on general hospital yeah well nancy is just fantastic she's an amazing actress so beautiful and i was just so lucky to work with her unfortunately that didn't go any further either that right. could have been an interesting relationship uh but i just think that wasn't in the cards um but i i did put it out there that um uh warren's twin brother should come back and get revenge uh for uh what they did to 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 warren <laughs> well, like you said earlier, this is a soap opera. So how many times did Reba come back from the dead? <clears throat> That's right. Well, you're nobody until you come back from the dead, right? So. Exactly. <laughs> uh, do you think you would ever return to soaps if the opportunity came up? You know, that's a great question. Uh, I, I recently have just sort of come back into uh, the profession after leaving it for a while. You know, I... I kind of took a, a, a bit of a um, sabbatical uh, when I had my kids. I wanted to, to be a full-time hands-on father and um, the acting stuff was not going to me, allow me to do that the way I wanted to do it. So I decided, you know what, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna sort of semi-retire. And so I didn't really come back to to all of this until recently, about a year or two ago. And uh, through Jean-Luc Azoulay, once again, the producer from France who produced my show and my first album, 
uh, had called me up a, a couple of years ago. They wanted to do a reboot of that show with a younger cast, of course. And they wanted me to be a part of that to sort of help launch it. And I, and I, and he kind of talked me into it. And I said, okay, well, as it turns out, that didn't happen for various reasons, you know, financial reasons or whatever, something with the network over there. And so he has another show on the air called Les Mystères de l'Amour. So uh, for all the French people that are watching this now, you mentioned that you saw some in the comments. Uh, that's a very, you. yeah, there's a, that's a wonderful show and with a wonderful cast. And I know a lot of those people from, from you know, back in the day. Anyway, uh, so he said, why don't you come? I'm going to be, we're going to be shooting in St. Martin. Oh, nice. Uh, in the Caribbean. And why don't you come and just, you know, hang out and, you know, maybe you can be the play the father of one of the stars of the show. Her name is Elsa Esnu, and she's one of the big stars of the show. And you can play her father. And by the way, I want you to sing a song and I want you to write a song. <laughs> <laughs> so I said, OK. Um, and that kind of was a, an offer that was hard to refuse. And so uh, off I went to the Caribbean and had an amazing time meeting Elsa and uh, reconnecting with Jean-Luc and a lot of the people that I had worked with before all those years ago in France. And, and then the song, they liked the song. And the song I wrote was a, uh, a father-daughter song. And uh, so the daughter's having trouble in her love life. She comes to the father and they, their mother, her mother has passed away. And, and so he says, well, I'm not having, you know, I, I can't give you advice. And, and so, you know, just, and so that song is sort of about that. And they really liked it. And so we recorded it in Nashville. Anyway, so the, the, that's how we, I got back into the, the business, so to speak. And so we've been going full bore on that ever since. I sort of have a recurring part now on that show. And then I go, um, I went to, to Nashville again, and then I went to Paris and actually performed with Elsa, who's, a, you know, she fills up these big venues over there, 3,000, 4,000 people. And so I performed with her on stage there. And, uh, and that sort of got me back so to answer your question, what I do a soap opera again, I'm open to, I'm certainly open to anything. Yeah, why not? Um, and uh, now that the kids are grown up uh, or growing up, <laughs> they never <laughs> grow up, do they? So Sean yeah. now, is, my son is a seven, going to be 17. I can't believe that. <laughs> and then my daughter is turning 14 next week or in two weeks. Well, I got you. My youngest is going to turn 33 in December. 33. Well, see, you probably had children at a normal age. I started very late. I was very young, very young. Well, well yeah. So you were like 19, right? Yeah, yeah I was 19 when he was born. Yes. Are you serious? No, I was just trying to make a joke. You were no, 19. I was. Oh my gosh! I'm sorry. I didn't know. I no, mean, no. I had good. planned it. I had planned it that way. Actually, I, I was, was making a joke. <laughs> no, in my mind, when at the time, my mind was, if I have them younger, by the time they're old enough to be on their own, I'm still going to be young enough to go do whatever. Well, you're smart. Uh, that was kind <laughs> well, of well. There's two thinking. ways of looking at that, right? Because <laughs> the other way is, well, I my philosophy was okay. Well. It's good. Now I've got all this life experience and, and I, I'm ready to be a father and I'll be able to do it. But then you're, you know, it's, it, it's, wow, here I am at my age now and dealing with teenagers, you know, so well, I, I envy you, my friend. I tell people <laughs> all the time, my age, my birthday, my age does not make me feel old. It really doesn't. It's my kid's age that makes me feel old. Right. To think well, I have a 32-year-old, you know, it's like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, wow, wow. Well, good for you. Any Now, what? any grandchildren? Seven. Only seven? Only seven. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? Uh, so, Well, the you. reason that's... that is because I've got two older stepchildren. Oh, okay. So that's how right. that worked out. Well, I'm going to well, pull us back on task to your music because you gave us a good transition a while ago. You've got four albums out. 
and music seems yeah. to have always been a part of you. Now yes, you write has. all of your own lyrics and music, both, don't you? Yeah, mostly. I, there's some cover songs that I've done. Uh, actually, on my first album, I did two cover songs, uh, but the rest was all original music. Uh, and then um, after that, I think I've only covered one or two songs at the most. And also all the rest are, yeah, original music. But it's all rock and roll. Huh? I've been listening to it for weeks. You know, Have since you? we were talking about, it. oh, yes. And one of my most favorite is uh, Ran Into Luck a lot. I like it a lot. Well, I'm, well if you... It, I'm glad you like that, because guess what? Uh, I'm only going to play a few songs in my set. I have a, a set. We're going to be, by the way, good time to transition into that. I'm going to be yes. performing uh, live in concert with Elza. So Elza is coming to America for the first time to perform. And we're going to be in Nashville, Tennessee on Valentine's Day on the 14th at a place called the Eastside Bowl. Yep, that's a bowling alley. No, <laughs> But I it's also a concert venue. And uh, and we're we're trying to keep it uh, to smaller venues, you know, just to Elsa's oh, uh, yeah. and her team are just sort of testing the waters out here, and so they've asked me to be the opening act. So please come out to Nashville to the East Side Bowl. I believe the doors open at six or seven, and it'll be a great time. Uh, and then after that, we're going right away to New York City on the 18th. That'll be for the benefit of the Red Cross. And just, I, I did a lot of shows back in the day. So that this is all gonna be to benefit the Red Cross. That's gonna be at the Soho Playhouse. Please go to the SohoPlayhouse.com and get tickets. And uh, I promise you a great show. And Ran Into Luck is gonna be the second song I play, Tim. Oh, cool. So Ran Into Luck is one of the songs that I'm gonna play. I love that song too. And just so everybody knows, the link to get tickets are in the description of this video right here um so make sure you do you you took Please, my next uh, thing that was my next thing i was going to promote that for you and i'm glad you did because i wasn't sure i could pronounce her last name <laughs> as newell i know you don't pronounce the t in french as newell but just call her elza that's everyone calls her elza and see, when uh, i was going to do it the way i've been rehearsing it was elsa S note you know i've been i called her elsa for the first six months i know i, I knew her and i realized Oh no, it's El they pronounce it Elza over there. <laughs> so, but uh, she doesn't mind. Uh, the by the way, any of your listeners that are in New York City, I think we I emailed you on this, Tim. So I hope it's okay for me to do this. Absolutely, <laughs> anything you want uh, to promote. If they, uh, um, uh, how can we do this? If they contact you, Tim, and they mention uh, Elza then uh, we will give away free tickets. Awesome. I think so the, so the first, the first, what should we do? 10 people. So All if there's right. 10 people that contact you that are in New York City on the 18th, the 18th of February, and you contact Tim, I'll make sure that you get free tickets and that you get to meet Elza. And you could comment in this post or I will go back and add my email address to the uh, description so y'all can email me there too. And this is all for a great cause. It's for the Red Cross, but those tickets will be free. And uh, yeah, so come on out if you are in New York City. And I know the Red Cross can use all they can get, especially right now, especially blood donations, but they do a lot of other things, a lot of other things. Yes. Um, so... What do you like to do during your free time before I go to the comments? <laughs> okay, well, my free time, there's not a lot of that, Tim, when you got two teenagers <laughs> and, and you're trying to run a business and you're trying to write songs and you're trying to do this. So my free time is really with, it's, you know, I enjoy my work, so to speak. Uh, the, the playing, uh, music and writing music you know it can be uh it can be hard sometimes you know but uh i just love it so my free time is anytime i get i'm i pick up the guitar i'm start working on on songs i'm translating some songs also for 
for the group, for the team in, in France. So that takes up a lot of time. And uh, by the way, the song that I recorded in Nashville with Elsa uh, uh, is called There's a Lot of Fish in the Sea. So I'll be performing that with her on stage. Oh, and that's, cool. going, that's been recorded and mixed and, and mastered. And that's going to be on her next album. And then another song, uh, one of her favorites and one of her biggest songs uh, is also that I, that I translated and, and did an adaptation for is also going to be on that album. So uh, look for that album. Um, so for those French people out there, that's some, some news uh, for them. Uh, I can't say too much more with that because I think that they want to announce it. But anyway. Uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to share the screen with you. So you can normally read them, but I can't read French. So I'm going to share it so you can okay. respond to your uh, people. Okay. There we go. I'm starting to see something. Here we go. Can you, can you see this over here? Yeah. C'est Moura. Je ne parle pas beaucoup anglais. Je voulais savoir comment aviez-vous pour devenir comédie et, et chanteur. So that question is asked. Uh, this is from Murad. Uh, is asking. He wanted to know how I became an actor and a singer. Well, uh, we just went through all of that. <laughs> yes. So uh, I did tell them that I was going to have you read these after. We did so. So you probably answered some of these as we went along. Okay. The other one says, "Brad, félicitations pour le concert de 14 février à Nashville et le 18 à New York." So congratulations for the concerts on the 14th and the 18th of February. Uh, another one that says, "Félicitations, uh, French friends are waiting oh, for your concerts in France." Uh, okay. So here's one. Your best memories on the French sitcom Les Filles d'à Côté. My best memories of they feed that goatee, gosh, uh, there's so many, uh, but it would, uh, it, it has to be working with my fellow actor, all of the fellow actors that I had, I mean, the, the girls were so great, but I spent most of my time working with someone uh, by the name of Cherry Redler, God rest his soul, he's passed away, uh, but he was, I believe he was a comic genius, and uh, we just had some, it was literally, we were, it was sort of that Abbott and Costello relationship where I played uh, the, the straight man and, and Jerry did all the work <laughs> and he was just wonderful. So, uh, comme souvenir, mon préféré c'est d'avoir travaillé avec Jerry. Voilà. And you want me to read another one? Um, if you want, if you have fed. time. Okay, est-ce que Brad avez-vous fait des séries télé américaines ou pas avant de venir en France? Brad, uh, did you make any television American series before you came to France? Yes, I did. I worked on a couple of shows, but actually the, the very first job I got, I was actually living in France. I was performing on, in my theater company and American companies would come over, film companies and shoot in France and they, they to save the expense of hiring an actor for a smaller part uh, and bringing them over to France, they would hire people like me who were living in France. So my very first job was as an American soldier in uh, The Sun Also Rises. And I think it was with Jane Seymour and Hart Bachner. Remember Hart wow. Bachner were the stars. And that was my very first job. And I remember being terrified because I, I have played the soldier, it's World War I, and I'm coming out of the trenches and I'm wearing this helmet and they put explosives in the helmet because I'm supposed to come out of the trench and get shot right in the head and it explodes. And I thought, wow, if I oh. survive this, <laughs> and then the blood comes streaming down. Anyway, look, if you ever dig that show up somewhere on the internet, you'll look for the American soldier uh, who gets shot in the, in the head. That was my very first film part. Well, here's one that I can read. It says, Elsa Esnule will give as everything as new as new as I think it's the way they spell it. Uh, we'll be every give you everything in Nashville, New York. I hope we'll see this on video since I will not be able to go to the United States. See, well, I, I hope so too. I hope so too. Now, Jean Luc Azoulay, who's the 
illustrious producer that I keep talking to you about, um, he likes to he likes to film everything. So I'm I can't imagine that we're not going to have a lot of footage. I don't know what is if he's uh, you know we're probably going to record, but those recordings are so iffy sometimes. The live recordings, uh, and we're doing this so quickly. I'm not sure we'll have. Uh, but we'll probably have a recording of the live performance, at least one or two songs, at least our song without Elsa and me. And and by the way, I'm just going to do that with her and my guitar. So that'll be a nice little chance for us to harmonize. But um, I believe that I don't I don't know if they're going to stream or film the entire concert uh, to answer the question. But there should be some footage that you'll be able to look at. Well, I appreciate you being here bradley so much uh Thank i you. still have more questions but i'm not going to take up all of your day i've already taken an hour of your time and i appreciate well, oh, no 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 it's been tim thank you so much i'm glad that we were able to put this together and i'm also uh uh very uh i admire you for setting up something that's coming up in the future I think that's you've already announced you go it, ahead. right? You can go ahead. Yeah, you go ahead. Yeah, so it. I guess we're going to have some kind of a reunion where it'll be me, Laura Wright, David Andrew McDonald, and who knows who else. So there's going to be a San Cristobal reunion, apparently. Is that right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I can't wait. Y'all just follow me, follow here, or follow me on Instagram or on Twitter, Facebook, and I'll keep you posted. Please. I'm well, it's so excited about this. Well, it's been a pleasure to spend this time with you. Thank you, everybody, for watching. Merci beaucoup pour tout le monde en France qui regarde ça. Et à bientôt. Thank you very much, and see you guys soon. Come to the you concerts. Hang, Come to the concerts. Sure, I'm basically getting more information on that. If you hang out in the back on the waiting room for just a minute, I'll be right back. To okay. You. Thanks, Brad. I'd like to thank. Bradley Cole for being here today chatting with us. Remember that you can catch Bradley on February 18th at the Soho Playhouse. I would like to thank the Necrotizing Fasciitis Foundation for sponsoring our show. For more information on the NFF or on Necrotizing Fasciitis, please visit www.necfasci.org. Please remember to subscribe to our YouTube channel for more upcoming episodes. Remember to be kind to one another. Until next time, have a great day.